It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Sports Across Football Stories podcast. My name is Craig Hansen and today... I'm joined by Phil Roberts, lifelong Liverpool fan and contributor to the Across the Park podcast. Phil is a season ticket holder who sits in the cop. He's a man who speaks eloquently about the team he loves on his own regular podcast. And I'm delighted to have him on the show today. And I can't wait to get stuck into all things Liverpool. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Phil. And I think you're the perfect person for this show because we like to speak to a fan of a different club every week and not just talk about the 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 current goings-on, which we will get into, obviously transfers, the squad, coming season, everything like that. But we also like to get into you know, what it means to be a fan, the, the best memories of following the team, everything like that. So the first thing, question I have for you is that you're a self-described lifelong Liverpool fan and I wanted to know how lifelong are we talking? So do you have any memory of when you were first kind of realised that you're a Liverpool fan? Did you get, did your family dress you up in all the gear when you were a baby and you don't even remember? What's well, your kind of earliest fun. memory? Yeah, I well to be honest, I've seen the photographs of me in the the candy Liverpool kits, the green one, the red one. Um, but I'll be honest, my, my dad doesn't really like football. He never followed it. So normally it's your dad who gets you in into into the into it, isn't he? But um, I found it organically. Like I literally just watching the watching the telly as a kid, and I remember just accidentally coming across the Coca Cola Cup final. In 1995, oh, that Liverpool... takes me back. The Coca-Cola <laughs> Cup is what it used to. Was that the? Is that the Carling the Cup? The League Cup. Do you know what? I'm quite nostalgic <laughs> in that. It took me ages to stop saying the Coca-Cola Cup. I don't know what we're up to now. It's I still call it Carling Cup. What's it? What is it now? Carabao, I, isn't it? Carabao. I couldn't tell you. Carabao. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. Carling, Worthington, 
Coca-Cola, yeah. <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, and Steve McManaman, he was man of the match. I think he scored two goals that day. And he, he was a very, very exciting player. He was great at dribbling the ball, take men on. And as a young lad watching it, that was the type of stuff that sort of caught me eye and, and really got me interested in it. That, that was the very first proper memory. So it was 95. So I was about nine, nine when, when that happened. Um, so I sort of knew as a kid we supported Liverpool, but I didn't know what that meant until I watched that game. And then all of a sudden I did. And as I say, weird one because it was organic. Uh, channel hopping as a nine-year-old, no one said sat me down and said, let's watch this, watch this game together. So that was when you were about nine that you first started watching on the telly. When did you first get down to the ground? So Christmas 1995, Christmas Day, one of me uncles, who was a big red, um, he bought me, made me brother and me dad a ticket to the game, which was on New Year's Day, 1st of January 1996. Um, and we played Nottingham Forest. So how old are you, Craig? Just... A, I'm 31, so I'm four years younger okay. than you, I think. Yeah, about. yeah, four or five, yeah. So I don't know if you remember Liverpool signed Stan Collymore from Nottingham Forest. I would have been about six, so it would have been okay. kind of... Because he's from the air... I'm from the Midlands myself, so because Stan Collymore's from around the area, I would have been hearing things about, oh, Collymore's the... When I was a kid, people used to talk about him being, you know, a hot shot kind of thing because he was a yeah. he used to come around in his sports cars and everything. So I can't say that I remember exactly hearing about that transfer, but it was definitely a okay. big deal when he was making all these big moves. Well, he played for Nottingham Forest and he was making a making a lot of noise. And Liverpool signed him for eight point five million in the in the summer of ninety five ninety six. That was our our record transfer fee. A lot of money. A lot of money. Then. Yeah. So New Year's Day was his first game against Nottingham Forest. Um, oh and yeah, so we went two nil down in the first eighteen minutes, and I remember as a kid at your first game, I think almost in tears, devastated. Um, but then my hero Robbie Fowler, he scored two diving headers, both assisted by Stan Collymore, and it was it was level at half time. Um, we go into the second half, and Stan Collymore steals the steals the show, and he scores two goals against his you know his previous team. We, we ran out 4-2 winners. Collymore kissed the badge in front of the cop, which was big news. And it was a real attacking display from Liverpool. Very typical of what we were in them days because we had a very exciting forward playing team. And, you know, the champ from the cop was attack, 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 attack. And yeah. we didn't care much for defence and kind of... That's why we never got over the line in the 90s. But as a young lad watching, fantastic team to watch. So much excitement and... Uh, Particularly on that day, there was a lot of skill on display and a lot of attacking, open game. So it was great, yeah. And what was your first impression of Anfield when you first went there in terms of the atmosphere and, and everything? Because I think you said you were about nine, maybe nine or ten then. What was it all? What was it like getting into... I mean, going to your first football game in general is a big deal. I think my, the first ground I ever went to was Molyneux. My dad's a big okay. Wolves fan. Yeah. And even that, you know, it's, wow, it's, you know, it loads of people. It's a bit mad, in it? But what was it like being at Anfield? It must have been 50-odd thousand people. Yeah, well, we're spoiled, aren't we, as Reds? Like, we don't really know much different. But, um, yeah, we, I was sitting in the cop. So you go, first of all, you've never seen that many people in your life as a kid. And I'm thinking, wow, and everyone's singing in the street. And, you know, you can hear the guys shouting in the street to sell in the, the scarves and the caps, badges. Um, and then you get in the ground and you can smell the pies and the fellas having a pint in the concourse. And then you, you go up the little steps, don't you, at your, whatever block you're sitting on. 
and you catch a glimpse of that turf for the first time in your life and it's a green that you've never seen before and yeah and then, and then you know you, all the songs and stuff like that in the cop I, I think atmosphere was probably better then than it is today to be honest as well i feel like it was it was bouncing every single league game in them days so um yeah breathtaking and certainly certainly gives you the bug and, and you, you certainly knew what team you were going to support for the rest of your life at that point and then were you sort of pretty consistently going after that or was it still kind of here and there until maybe when you got a bit older and you started going all the time no so back then it was like it was a, a present a christmas or a birthday get a ticket something like that um since because even back then there was a gigantic waiting list for liverpool so we joined the waiting list when i was in like in in my teens to be honest mm. and it didn't come through until we got the main stand um, which was only a few years back, finally come through. Um, me and my mate went on uh, together and we said, whoever gets it first, we'll share it. So um, he got it first, but he lives in London. So I basically go to all the games on it, on, on a season ticket, yeah. How long so, did you end up waiting then all together to get that through? Oh, oh mate, well, like what, 15 years. Oh, my God. That just shows so, the size of the club, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Uh, and, you know, now you can't even get on a waiting list. There's a waiting list to be on the waiting list now. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, so the main, when the main stand got built, the ticket come through, and we were on the very top row in the gods, really, really high up. You can barely see the... You can barely recognise who's on the ball and stuff. But after we spent a season there, we got an opportunity to move to a different area. And I'm in the cop now, bang in the middle of the cop. We stand for the whole game, songs all game. And it's great, but going back a bit earlier than that, as soon as I was about 15, 14, 15, um, I applied for a job in, in, in Anfield to be a programme seller. But all that was was a free ticket because, you know, we, we'd cash up all the money as fast as we could. As soon as the, like, the full-time whistle went, I'd be cashed up by 10 past, 10 past three and I'd be in the cop. You know, the stewards are just like, yeah, they knew, you know, we knew all the stewards, so it was just like, go on, lad, get in there. I don't know if it would be like that anymore, but that's how it was in them days. So I didn't miss a game from basically from when I was 15 until the season ticket come through. And as I was going into my mid-20s and my career was developing, I was literally turning down job opportunities, you know, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they wanted me to work Saturdays. And I was like, oh, no, I sell programs on a Saturday for 20 quid. But... <laughs> I got to watch the game and it, it, it was all about that. And yeah, yeah, it was sort of great memories. So, I, I you know, during that time, Liverpool won the, the treble in, in 2000, uh, 2001, it would have been now. We won the, the UEFA Cup, the FA Cup and the League Cup. The Worthington Cup, maybe. And, yeah, yeah, the League Cup, yeah. Yeah. The worst, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we won the Charity Shield and something else. I think we actually won five cups, but three, three really suppose but yeah yeah great memories and you mentioned when you were a young lad you mentioned your hero Robbie Fowler mentioned oh. Stan Collymore was there anyone else who caught your eye as a especially that first game maybe not even just that game but the kind of the first few games was there any could you reel off a few people that really caught your eye especially in person uh, Jamie Redknapp so I couldn't believe how far he could kick the ball so Jamie Redknapp's passing ability is up there, you know, he was always injured and stuff like that, so we never really got to see the best of him, but, you know, not far off like Beckham-esque, Alonso-esque, like Jamie Redknapp's passing and shooting from distance. Underrated player. Underrated, yeah, really, really technical. And um, I just remember him switching it 
um, and I just couldn't believe how far someone could kick a ball. Um, and for different reasons, Neil Ruddick stood out to me because he just looked like a huge man and he just like smashed people about and he was like, he was hard as nails, you know, for, from my perspective back then. Uh, he was huge. So, yeah, they stood out. Steve McManaman um, and even Ian Rush was still about then, you know, and it probably wasn't what he was doing on the pitch in 96. That that caught me eye so much, but it was just, there was so much hype. Ian Rush was a legend. Yeah, the, top the legacy. The legacy. Everyone talking stuff. about him all the time, all the stories. Yeah, absolutely. The songs in the ground, um, you know. Oh, so you know, off the top of my head, they're the ones that stand up. Well, it's quite a variation because you've got you know a centre back, you've got kind of silky midfielder, winger. We've got Robbie up top, so there's a bunch of different types of players there. But when you mentioned why, it's kind of that classic thing when you're a kid, you know, oh, he's a big hard man, or look how far <laughs> yeah. I kicked the ball. When you're watching as an adult now, do you find that you're attracted to different kinds of players than you were when you were a kid? Because I know that when I watch football now. There's players that I appreciate that I know when I was nine, I wouldn't have noticed were playing, I wouldn't have cared about. Do you find there's yeah. any Liverpool players now that you just love that you think, oh, when I was eight, I wouldn't have even known they were any good? From a very young age, I've always been the same, really, um, in that, do you know what? The slower players catch my eye because if you're slow and you're playing at a top level, your brain's operating on a different level, your techniques are a different level. If, you're very, if you notice a lot of the best players in the world are short, like five foot eight and below, and that's because to make it at that level, at that height, your skills got to be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I've never liked players who are particularly fast. Like, obviously, I can appreciate that, but just running really fast with the ball. Yeah, it's easy. Really, it? It's like cheating. Yeah, never really done it for me. So, yeah, it's the it's the more sort of languid. You know, like Zinedine Zidane. Oh, yeah. I was in love with Zidane. Um, me too. You know, that type of a player, Dennis Bergkamp, that type of a player. Uh, from Liverpool, Yari Lippmann was that type of a player. I don't know if you remember Yari. I do Yossi, remember him, yeah. Yeah, Yossi Ben Ayoun. I just I thought that. you were going to say Yossi <laughs> Ben Ayoun. You know, that style of player catches my eye. That They're the type of players I like. Yeah, I, the ones who haven't got obvious pace or obvious strength or height and they have to make up for it with genuine ability. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And even, you're going to laugh at me here, but even when Messi come through, when Messi come through, I was a huge, huge fan of Ronaldinho, uh, as I say, Zidane, and then Messi was the new kid on the block. And at first, the way he ran with the ball, I was like, ah, now he runs like he runs with the ball like it's a hot potato. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not into him. But over the years, I've had to grow, obviously, you appreciate Messi. But at first, I resisted Messi because he wasn't that sort of, do you know what I mean? Is it, He's not that sort of relaxed, style that that i sort of lean to yeah it's not the, the the type of player you normally gravitate towards but would you um speaking of um appreciating him now i don't know if you heard about 10 minutes ago it come out that he's not signing on at barca this could be breaking news for you maybe i don't know if he just got back from work but yeah it's absolutely mental i'm sure you've heard that they've been having this issue where they you know he's agreed terms with them but because their wage bill is too high for the la liga regulations they need to sell loads of people so they can even sign him, Aguero, um, Memphis. None of these players play for Barcelona right now, technically. And basically, Messi, it's come out 10 minutes ago. It's done. He's not going to be there anymore. Is he coming to the Premier League? Could he be coming to Liverpool? <laughs> Would you have him? Well, to be honest, I saw a headline about, as you say, about 10 minutes ago. And I looked at it and thought, I haven't got time to read that, but I don't believe it type of thing. Yep. And it's BB I, like once I saw it was BBC, I was like, oh, it's it's real then. Don't know about you, but for me, that's kind of the benchmark of yeah, if someone's real. Yeah. 
definitely. Um, Barcelona are a right mess, aren't they, at the moment? They're a mess. Um, what I have not Liverpool? To be honest with you, um, I, I, the deal that it's going to take probably doesn't make sense. He's going to, I imagine, he will absolutely destroy the wage budget. <laughs> I can't imagine that much. He's going to be on about 600, because you're going to get him on a free. Is someone going to get him on a free? Exactly, they're going to get him on a free. So, I mean, Man City could probably forget about Kane and just take all that yeah. money and pay him wages instead. That's it, yeah, yeah, they could, yeah. But what, what do you reckon, about 600 grand a week? Something ridiculous. Like it could one. be even more, honestly. It could, could be the be first million or something. million pounds a week, yeah. And how old is he? And He's, he's only 34, a... he's not getting any 34. younger. Four. he's on the down. It's a different country, which, you know, I don't care how good you are, that's a risk. That's a gamble. Um, it, I probably wouldn't take that million pounds a week gamble if it was me. But if he goes to City, he'll certainly, uh, you know, enhance their chances of winning the league in, for the next couple of years, won't he? So, well, they're uh, probably kicking themselves now because they just signed Grealish, aren't they? So Guardiola's probably thinking, God, I wish we'd have known. I would have waited and just had Messi instead. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, to get back to Liverpool, more importantly, but before we get on to the good times, because right now is a great time to be a Liverpool fan. I think maybe last yeah. year was a little bit tricky, but other than that, it's, you know, it's a golden period. I wanted to ask you first of all, before that though, about some of the the darker times in your time as a fan. There's been ups and downs, obviously. Can you think of a particular period that was the most dire when it was you really weren't enjoying turning up and watching and. Easy. Every Liverpool fan, I'll give you the same, the okay. same answer. Can you guess? I don't know. There's I mean... certain manager that we. Oh, is it um, Roy Hodgson? Maybe <laughs> Roy Hodgson. Yeah. <laughs> what a guess. grim time! What a grim, grim time! Like, why I was think... it so bad? Could you explain? It oh, is his signings were just like he his ex his expectations were just not in line with Liverpool supporters whatsoever. I remember, like, I think we got beat by Everton in a derby, and. Um, I remember after the game, he was saying like, "Oh, that's the best we've played this season," and we were awful. And we, I don't know, he was just like, "Sign." He was signed Kincheski at left back. He was awful. I can't remember the other signings. I've put them out of my mind to be honest. Yeah, but, he did uh, sign a few them kind of basic mid-table level signings yeah, that he made. Yeah. yeah, and he big up them basic mid-level type of performances as well. And we were in the bottom half as well for a long period. Um, and there, you know, in Liverpool and 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 a lot of the northwest, there's a bit of a north-south divide. It usually doesn't work um, when the two come together. There are cases of when it does, but um, yeah, that was an example of it. But it was just like you don't get us. We we, we don't like you. And yeah, quick as soon as we can move this on. And Why so do you think what what went wrong with it? Do you think exactly? Because I mean, I think he did a. He came to you after Fulham, didn't he? Or was it yeah, after? Yeah, Fulham, he, yeah. He He's did a good a job of Fulham, didn't he? Is it maybe just that's it? That was his. He's more. He's better at sort of punching up. Maybe. He's... I think it is. Yeah. I. I mean. Yeah. He just did not get. You know the way. Sometimes it's chemistry. Sometimes it's chemistry more than it is ability. Um. And and I think that's what it was with him. Like. He's a very organised manager and stuff like that. And also the mantra of Liverpool is attack, attack, attack. Yeah, and he's the opposite oh, of that, and he's, he's keeping tight. Yeah. He's keeping it tight, and you know he's done well with certain clubs and that. So I don't want to diss him too much, but he didn't get Liverpool the way the, and the absolute total opposite. I know we'll come on to it later, so I don't want to jump your ahead. But Klopp is the total opposite. He was made to manage Liverpool. His politics, his philosophies, everything about it. He's a match made in heaven, and yeah, um, Roy was the uh, the total opposite. 
You're right. We are going to come on to Klopp very yeah. shortly, and that is going to be you know the exact opposite thing. But yeah. when you were going through that time where I can't remember how long he survived, was it? He, he had a couple of seasons, did he? Or might have been one. Think only just be. one. What kept you? What kept you coming back for them? Sort of die. But as as a fan, I mean, this would be the same answer for most football fans, I guess. But that's kind of what we're trying to get into the essence of being a football fan. But you know, I suppose if you're if you're the kind of person who's on Twitter and you know your profile picture is Neymar and you're called Neymar 212, probably you wouldn't go and watch. Roy Hodgson performances every week. What is it about you and, you know, the rest of the Liverpool fans who were there that kept you coming back there every week when you could have been doing something better? You could have been getting uh, better career opportunities and instead you were watching uh, Roy Hodgson. What was was that? What kept you coming back? Well, the way it is in in this city, Liverpool is, is an institution. Liverpool Football Club is an institution and the institution belongs to the fans. So there's owners of, of Liverpool Football Club at the moment, but they are only temporary custodians of the club, and one day they won't be. Um, and you know, and they they need to do the best by the club, by the fans, by the institution that they can. And if they do that, you know, everyone will be very grateful to them. But I think all owners of football clubs need not to get above the station because you cannot own an institution. You can't. It they're not ownable, and so. All the while, while you're, while us supporters of, of this institution are going along, everything else is temporary. Players, managers, owners, um, and you know, and I think, yeah, the, the, what the club means to the people of this city, what it means to their lives, and I could get really deep, and I could go back to the austerity of the eighties, when under the Thatcher government, this city was thrown to the, you know. It was just left to go to ruin, basically. And all we had was football. And Everton were great around that period as well, 85, 86, 87. Um, and, and, you know, we had the Beatles. We had the music coming out of the city as well. So we had nothing else. There was huge poverty, you know, no job opportunities, no way out of the struggle. But we had football. Uh, and we were known around the world for having the best football, the two best football teams in the world. And so... You know, and then we've got the, the the horrendous tragedies that this club suffered with Hillsborough, the fight for justice that went on for so long, and, and the so, thing with the Sun as well, the the reaction sun. of the national newspaper. So there's a lot of kind of us against them mentality, I suppose, as well, right? Unity, very much, very much. So it's in your blood, it's in your DNA, it's in your family, it's everywhere around you as you go around the city about going about your business. So all the other stuff. The performances, the form, the managers, the, the the owners, it can all come and go, but you know the, what matters stays. You couldn't have summed it up better. And and on your podcast, which is one of the most unique I've heard of, I think, where you've got mm. three um, blues and three reds, three Liverpool guys, three Everton guys, and coming together and and having a chat. And I think it's really, really great. And like I said, really unique. What do you find that in general in the city? What's it like with the city with? Because I don't know enough about it to know, are there physical boundaries, sort of areas where loads of people are reds, others where everyone's blue? Because it seems like, um, how do you how do you do that thing where twice a year you hate each other? But I suppose <laughs> the rest of the time, and I know this happens in all the cities, but it seems like in Liverpool in particular, there's a big rivalry. I mean, how does that... How does that work, sort of thing? How are you cordial with... I mean, do you hate your podcast brothers on the day when the derby comes? No, do you know what? It, it's a weird one because 
it's not a religion thing, so it's not divided by that. I mean, it might have started out that way, but you know the way some cities have like Catholic and Protestant Is areas. Is that like Rangers and, and Celtics? A bit yeah, like yeah, exactly. A bit more so, serious and a bit more. Yeah, it's a bit more nasty. But in Liverpool, you could be your mum could be a red, and your dad could be a blue. Half your family could be your brother could be a, red, a blue, and you could be a red type of thing. So you're very much used to it. You go to school, you go to work. It's a fifty-fifty split. Um, so it's just part of life. And to be honest, years ago, when you used to go the, the the match, the derby, or even just Liverpool playing anyone else, there could be loads of blues at the ground because you just go with your mates, blues and reds. But at the derby, it literally was just sitting together. So that's when it was like a friendlier derby back in them days. And I think over time, it has got a bit more nasty. And, and we've When tried... do you think that started? Why, has it got, what, why do you think that happened? Well... There's, there's, it's it's difficult to put your finger on it. I think it's multivaried, the reason. Obviously, we had the tragedy in 85. Everton won the league that year, but the, but the clubs were banned from Europe because of what happened when we played Juventus. Um, that started something off because Everton think they were robbed, rightly or wrongly, not sorry, not rightly, but they they would think they were robbed of their European success by Liverpool fans. But I don't want to get into that really because that's a whole. There's a big story behind that and uh, the Heisel like, disaster. The right? Heisel disaster, yeah. Ground not fit for purpose and stuff. But I also don't want to sort of say Liverpool fans went to blame. So I don't really want to get into it. But that was part it's of complicated. it. Complicated. It's complicated. And then after that, you got the Premier League and Liverpool capitalised more than Everton did on the financial side of that. Um, you know, the Sky Top 4, the Top 6 and all that, and Everton have never been part of it. And then with the money divide and the success divide, I think it's just got a bit nastier. When we were both winning Everton together in the 80s and the 60s, I think it was a, a friendlier derby, and I think it, it's got a bit nastier. But it's not that bad, though. There aren't fights. You aren't scared to leave the ground after a derby. Sure. If people are particularly drunk on a night out in the city centre after a derby game, maybe a fight could happen, you know. But that's anywhere, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's still, you know, I think it's still friendly, but it's it might be weird to other people, but it's normal to us. As I say, families yeah. and workplaces are divided. It's just just life. And I think it, it happens in a lot of cities as well, a similar thing. But what I wanted to, on that the idea of the, the rivalry and stuff, one thing that's always kind of got me is because as I'm getting, I'm kind of neutral, really. I follow a few teams and I, I follow my local team, Warsaw, and my dad's team, Wolves. I've got a soft spot for Man City follow a couple of Spanish clubs from when I used to live there. But, like, I kind of... um, I don't really have that thing then where, say, if I've got mates and they support a team, I don't want their team to, like, do bad. How do you kind of... um, How do you sort that out in your mind, for example? The the guys you do the podcast with, you know, I'm sure they're lovely chaps. You get on really well. But you wouldn't want Everton winning the league, would you? Or would you? That's what I'm saying. How does that work, kind of thing? Because that would be nice for them to be happy, wouldn't it, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you know, there's a great sense of humour in this city. Uh, Most people have got a great sense of humour. And it's the banter. And they just, you just—that's what it is in the workplace. You just, you just don't want to go in. You don't want to even go in. Like, <laughs> if you lose the, fe- the derby, that's it. The fella in the corner shop where I live—he's a—he's a huge boy and he loves rubbing it in if they have any success. So you just know you're just going to be going round, and that's all you're going to get everywhere you turn. Just banter, and especially if one club's doing much better than the other, it's been all our way lately, though. So I can't really complain too much. Um, so you know the Everton lads on the podcast—they've got a difficult job because. 
And the Reds, actually, because if you think about it, we want red and blue listeners to listen. And Liverpool have been doing a lot better than Everton lately. So really, every episode could just be us giving them a kicking. But if you were a blue listener, yeah, you wouldn't want to be tuning in for that. Yeah, that's not the place for that. Like you say, the workplace is the place for that. Yeah, or down exactly. the pub or something. Like, I do get that. But you mentioned there that it's all been going your way lately, and it certainly has. How does this era under Klopp stand alongside the other ones of your lifetime? Because it's not like the first time that you've done well. Like there's, you know, 2005 Champions League, 2011 treble. They're even the great era from when you were a little kid, 95, 96. All them great players, all them great teams. Where does this stand up? I mean, is this is this the best it's been since you've been alive? Do you think? Well, the football is. The football certainly is, um, you know, Liverpool in 2019-20 season were the best team in the world. You know, we smashed the Premier League, Champions League. It was hard to deny, really. Um, so, you know, football-wise, I've never seen anything like this. And it, we've been as exciting going forward. Under Brendan Rodgers, we were unbelievable going forward with Suarez yeah. and Gerrard and... You know, and what was it? Um, Sterling Suarez was storage, it Triple S or something? Storage, storage yeah. yeah, exactly. So it, that that was a, um, and under Rafa, we were a really difficult side to beat. He was a tactical sort of masterclass, and you know we'd go one nil up, shut up shop. Um, Hodgson with good players, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. good good sides, exactly, yeah. But um, yeah, he had Torres and Gerard, but. Um, no, but Jabby Alonso instead exactly, of Kajeski. Exactly, but this team's got it all. Um, so in terms of the football, I've never seen anything this this complete. But in terms of just enjoying it as a fan, two thousand one was amazing because the last time Liverpool won the league was eighty nine ninety, and I don't remember it to be honest. So I grew up then all through the nineties, no success at all. Didn't win a single cup. Um, oh well, the Coca Cola Cup in ninety five, but yeah. Then 2001, we seemed to win it all. Like, everything that we cut, we're eligible to win. We weren't in the Champions League. But that run to the UEFA Cup in 2001 was, we beat Roma, we beat Juventus, we beat Barcelona. The UEFA Cup wasn't then what it is now, to be honest. It was a lot better. There was well better teams in it. Um, I think it must have been about how you qualify. And I think only two went into the Champions League in them days. So there was better teams in the UEFA Cup and all that. So... That was amazing to come out of nowhere to be. We'd never played these teams in my lifetime, and I was a young lad going the game, queuing up for tickets. Didn't have a season ticket. I was queuing up for like a mile and a half around the ground, four a.m. in the morning, to try and get a ticket. Um, and then the songs and the atmosphere in them days was incredible. Um, we were always in Cardiff because Wembley was getting refurbished then or rebuilt, the new grounds or whatever. Um, so we put all our finals in 2001 were in Cardiff and that was the second home to us and it, yeah the Millennium Stadium yeah, the, we had on the other week we had Martin O'Connor on I don't know if you remember him he was the Birmingham City captain yeah. and he played it. I think it was Birmingham who you beat it wasn't was, it in yeah. that 2001 yeah, um, did you manage did you manage to go then yeah, to that final at um, yeah. Millennium Stadium yeah I did yeah Robbie Fowler screamer my hero had come back to the club I think at that point because he went to Leeds for a bit come back scored that amazing goal um, oh no, it was before he left that because that was under Julia. Yeah, um, one of the last games he played before he left it was. Yeah, unbelievable Millennium Stadium. What a ground that is! By the way, have you been? I've never been. No, I mean I would have been when all that was going on. I'd have been sort of ten or eleven. 
I don't think I've been actually. I've been to Wembley a couple of times. But I, don't, I mean, the old Wembley as well. But I don't think I've been to uh, Millennium Stadium ever. No. Great stadium. Just looks good. The acoustics, how close you are to the pitch, the concourse, everything about it. Great stadium. So yeah, they were great times. And then Rafa come in, um, and we won the Champions League for the first time in my lifetime. What Can't a... beat that. No, and we had that rivalry with Chelsea, didn't we? And we, we kept having semi-finals, and we always, always win. Uh, <laughs> knocking them out. Um, and we had that, it was the the um, Mourinho versus Rafa. There was a big rivalry there. That was great. They were great times. And obviously, it's great again, you know, under Klopp now. It's everything. The fans, the players are so are closer than they've ever been. I think the manager is more sort of one of us than ever yeah. before. Bill Shankly had that. He had that great... Um, he was a socialist. He had that affinity with the people. He was a working-class man. He shared... Have a connection with the club's kind of culture. 100%. And Klopp, Klopp's got that. And it's a, it's a magical it's a magical thing. And, do you, you know, not long ago I was on YouTube and I was watching the day that he announced he was leaving... Dortmund and there's a press conference and he's saying you know all good things have to come to an end and sometimes the person you least expect have to move, has to move on and he said and on this occasion it's me and as he said and although it was Dortmund chills went all up both of my arms I felt like a lump in my throat and I was thinking oh no one day this is going to happen to yep, us probably. probably 2024 to be honest. I can't imagine where he'll go next because I mean he had the same thing at Dortmund didn't he? He's like a part of the, the whole fabric of the club so it's he needs to go to a club like that, I think, with a real special culture, real special history. I don't know where. I mean, he could go to Italy, maybe. He could go and yeah, manage but... a team in Italy. Uh, yeah, I don't... Well, we won't need to worry about that anyway. That no, ain't happening for a about that. I don't think he'll go to Munich. I can't see him taking the, the national job and then retiring. I think That's he wants... a good shout, yeah. I think he can do that. I don't think I don't think he'll have another go up with another club. Yeah, he's gonna have I a think long... he might stay at Liverpool for a long while yet, so let's not worry about him yeah. leaving, leaving just yet. <laughs> Let's talk a little, in a little bit more detail about exactly what he's done to create this unbelievable generation that he's done. So that there's so many reasons, and you must have been over them on your pod a, a thousand times. But if you had to sum it up, what has Klopp done to reverse? I mean, under Rodgers, like you said, you did okay. I mean, you finished second that year. You had great attacking football. I think Rodgers, by the way, is a great manager, really, really underrated. Big fan. But, you know, just didn't quite work out, and he, and he went up north to Scotland. But... Klopp came in and it's just been the the it's been miraculous what he's done. In your from your perspective, what has he done to to get you where you are now? Well, the first thing I remember early days, he was saying, right, he got the fans and the media, which is important on side, because um, there was a big pressure on Liverpool. We always kept talking about back in the day, back in the day, and that would always go against us. It would a lot of pressure on the players so and all the banter would be about history history stop talking about exactly, your history exactly all that exactly so Klopp just said let's put an end to that and and because of his personality and stuff the media bought in um, and then he was one of the big things he, that is known about Klopp is how hard he likes his team to work so that was put into the team immediately everyone had to work hard it didn't matter who you were or you were gone Um and then he's got this, you know, he, he talked about this rock and roll style of football where it was like all out attack, but, you know, at the same time, you'd have to sprint for your life to get back. Um, and there's a real sort of, the team he's created is full of leaders. It's full, it's a real team where everyone works for each other. Look at the midfield. 
it's not that creative. It isn't full of the likes of your De Bruyne's and, and all that. It's like Milner, it's Henderson, it's Fabinho, it's Genie Wijnaldum, and where it was. And, um, you know, but he's made that work. He's made that an, an unbeatable force. The atmosphere is amazing. He, he, Cop was big enough that he actually criticised the fans once. They left early when we were getting beat. And he turned around the press conference and said, like, you just let me down. I felt completely alone. But if someone else would have said that, they would have, the response would have been, how dare you question the supporters? It's genius, though, isn't it? Because I bet that the <laughs> yeah. supporters actually felt like, oh, yeah. I won't do that again. Exactly. So it's everything that he's done. But he's built a real team, and the media and the supporters are actually part of that. Everyone's pushing together in the same direction, and, you know, and, and no more so than on that pitch. And, you know, belief as well. For some reason, he's installed... I don't know how he was able to do it, but real belief in the players. And even when we got beat in the Champions League by Madrid, he was like, OK, we'll come again. And But, like, all these things is easy to say. But when Klopp says these things, you tend to believe him. You tend you want to yeah. believe him. And... It's like a messiah figure, isn't it? A lot of people would say that, and you'd think, nah, they won't, though. <laughs> yeah, you won't, Especially though. after that Carrius, um thing, yeah. you know, that was tragic. I remember watching that when I was living in Spain on the TV with bunch of Madrid fans and I was, I, I'm not a big fan of Real Madrid let's put it that way <laughs> so I was um, very much hoping for a Liverpool win and yeah just oh so gutted and a lot of teams it'd be tough to come back from that and do it all again but they did yeah. as a club because a club absolutely yeah so I mean what more can you say we're just we need to enjoy every minute of them being here and I don't think Klopp enjoyed it last year he lost his mum yeah he had a was... really bad year didn't he he had a bad year, the injuries, the personal life, um, no fans at the stadium, and that means a lot to Klopp. He does it for the fans, you know, and stuff like that. So I think he felt very alone, very, you know, I don't think he enjoyed himself last, last year. So I hope that he enjoys it this season and he gets his sort of his love back for it because if he's 90%, it's not, you know, and I am giving some criticism to Klopp in some ways. Yeah, I'm making excuses for him. But I don't think he was at his best last season either. Uh, no, of course. But understandable why. And, you know, I think the fans are right behind him and hope that he gets that love and that feel back. Um, you know, we actually changed as well. Liverpool have always been at Melwood. That's where we train. Um, we actually moved to a new place last year. Um, and I remember Cop saying, it's actually really windy. And because of COVID, the doors are open. and uh, It's freezing inside. And because of COVID as well, you couldn't like, you couldn't only have, you could only have like so many people in each room. And he, I felt like, he felt like the, the, the soul had gone out the club um, because of a few things, because of the move and because of the COVID and stuff like that. So I think if we can get back to normal, there'll be a much better feeling around the place. And I think, you know, we'll return to the former glory. I think so too, because like you said, no one's above criticism, but I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. No one, I haven't heard many people really mention that factor that he is that kind of manager that very much kind of, um, I don't know, he he coaches on energy and stuff, doesn't he? And it's very much kind of about the fans being there and it's it's kind of this back and forth. I think there's some other managers, you know, that Guardiola, for example, are very, like, forensic. His dream probably would just be every match is a training match on the training ground. There are no one's there and it's just chess, you know what I mean? And he don't think yeah, he cares at all if anyone's there, anyone's even watching, it's even recorded. I think it's all just about all the, 
tactics and everything. But I think with Klopp, it is, like you said, I think he feeds on that energy. Yeah. He wants the goals to go in and the excitement for the fans. It's all the atmosphere. It all ties in for him. So I think it probably COVID struck your team a lot worse than it could have done some others probably. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, you know, that's there'll be other fans of other clubs laughing at me saying that, saying, well, we're all under the same conditions. But but Liverpool, the Liverpool supporters are often credited for dragging Liverpool over the line. You know, when we come back against Barcelona, all those, and there's there's many, many incredible European nights and everyone says the cop sucks goals in, things like yeah. that. So how can you give it that credit one season and then in the next season say, oh, the cop doesn't make any difference? You know, it, it does cause it doesn't. It? It's not just about the size of the stadium. I would, I'd say, for example, um, Palace have a similar yeah. dynamic. You know, at Selhurst Park, they got a great support. That when team, not saying, I'm not going to, you know, bury Man City and say they don't have the same. I'm sure they do have great supporters, obviously. Say, say but it's it a is. different. <laughs> but it's a different. But I mean, nowadays it seems like their their atmosphere is not quite as good as it was back in the day when they're at Main Road, but. It's, it's you know, some teams just, like you say, it hasn't, it seems to have an effect and you can't deny stuff like that Barcelona comeback was, was crazy. And if that would have been played behind closed doors, never is that result no, happening, I don't think. It's not possible. No, no way. No, absolutely not. So it's one of those things. But but um, to come on then to the, to the, the next part of the conversation on Klopp, I wanted to, to ask, he's delivered the Champions League, he's delivered the league, first league title in... How many years would that be? You 89, know, 89 90. So, 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 20 years. So Sorry, no. 20, 30 years. So, wow, that's a very long time. Which was sweeter, the Champions League or the league? Oh, the league. Absolutely. We've, we've won the Champions League in my lifetime, 2005, and that was special, very, very special. But um, because we'd sort of ticked that box, and the league, and you know, all the other, all our rivals have got that over us, haven't they? You know, United, Arsenal, City, Chelsea. I'll oh, come back when you've yeah. won a Premier League and all that. Like it makes a difference that it, like like they think football started yeah, in '92, don't do. they? But but uh, but it was something that they had to say. So uh, it, yeah, it felt pretty special to uh, to put that one to bed. So you've had those two unbelievable, well, several great seasons and the two big big trophies. Then last year, as we touched on, it kind of hit a bit of a stumbling block. For many reasons, Kobe being one of them, but the big, big things gotta be the injury crisis at centre back, which is kind of I know with I, th- there have been a few similar ones over the years, yeah. but this was a pretty crazy one, really losing Van Dyke, Matip, and Gomez, and having to you know draft in returning loanees and bringing in um, Kabak from Schalke and just crazy times. Now, do you? The question I've got for you is. Do you think that that was just the most terrible look, or should it have been handled better by the club? Is there any responsibility that do you have to foresee that? I mean, can you foresee some of that catastrophic? And I suppose you need to, don't you? Anything can happen. You need to prepare for yeah. the worst. Could they have prepared better? Well, what I will say as well, it wasn't just in defence. It was midfield as well. You know, um, you know, we signed Thiago and he got injured straight away. He missed a lot, and then when he come back. He had to play every minute because there was no one else, and he he didn't really he wasn't really fit. He didn't have a chance to get fit again. Injured for ages, back straight into it. Uh, Wijnaldum had to play every game, and he's since come out and said I was injured, but I just had to, <laughs> yeah. I, was I had to play. We lost Henderson for a large part. 
Um, Fabinho was, had to play at centre back because there was a there was a point where he was playing him there when he did kind of have a choice, but there was actually a time where I don't think he actually had a choice, did he? There weren't no, actually he didn't have a choice. He literally no, no. didn't have any centre backs. He had to play a midfielder, and when you lose Fabinho from the midfield, I mean it's doubly terrible, isn't it? Because you you've lost your best midfielder probably, and and he's playing at centre back where he doesn't belong. It was just horrendous. But <clears throat> to your question. Um, now, Gomez and Matip, they're very, very injury-prone players. They're great when they're on form, when they're, play, when they're able to stay fit, they're great players. But we've known for a long time, so a lot of us were saying uh, prior to that season, we need a centre... Like, everyone was saying, oh, we don't need centre-backs because we've got Lovren, we have Van Dijk, uh, Gomez, but we sold Lovren. And, so then you had three. So then we had three, and two of them are injury-prone. Um, yeah, it's not good, is it? It's not good. It's not so you know. But the, but we were probably thinking, well, we've lost Lovren, but you know we've got other players who can do a job there, like Fabinho. But it probably won't come to that. But you know it did. So I think we we should have signed uh, a defender, and I think it wasn't difficult to see that. Yeah, before the season in January, you had to get the emergency guys yeah. in. But you know, and, and to be fair, they did a they um did a good decent job. I mean, I thought that Phillips did. I feel did really great. well considering the circumstances, and Kabak looked okay too. But, but hopefully now next year that won't be a problem. And this is where it gets interesting for you because I wanted to ask you what do you make of um, Ibrahim Kanate coming in from um, from Leipzig? He seems to be a top player, but the, it's one of them strange ones, isn't it? Now because like, is he gonna start? Or is he? If he is, who's gonna? Who, is Gomez gonna be a backup? The the thing nowadays seems to be whenever you, whenever any big club signs a really good player, it's a really good obviously. But then you end up thinking, oh, but now it's a shame because what's gonna happen with this guy? I've spoke to a lot of Liverpool supporters recently who think you know we've spent that type of money. He's straight in. It's him and Van Dijk. But my just the way I am, um, any new signing, I don't care who they are, they've got to sort of prove themselves to me. I know Gomez is is brilliant, and um, I would like it to just be Van Dijk and Gomez, and then it, there'll be opportunities. Someone gets injured, Van Dijk can't do ninety minutes yet. Can I say we'll have a chance to come in, show us what he can do, and you know, and if he looks brilliant, then you keep your place. But for me, it's not like we've spent that money on you, so you're a shoe in to start. I don't believe in that, but also, I don't believe Klopp believes in that. We've signed many a player um and not seen them for three months. Fabinho, case in point, he didn't he was nowhere near the Liverpool first team for about three months. Andy Robertson couldn't get anywhere near the first team for a good while. So uh, Klopp teaches them the Liverpool way in training, all that type of stuff. And then eventually when they do come in, they're ready for it. And so I can imagine a similar thing. But the thing is the difference is though this season, Gomez and Van Dijk probably aren't ready to start the season. So, Kanate and Matip will probably start for Liverpool in the first game of the season. So, he's got his opportunity right from the off to show what he can do. And if he looks great, or Matip might look great, whoever looks better, that's who will partner Van Dijk when he comes back. Yeah, that's the thing. It's going to be interesting because them two are going to have to force themselves back in. And I mean, and obviously, Van Dijk's going to come in. You'd think even if he kept 10 clean yeah. in a row, Van Dijk's coming back in. But uh, like you said, Kanate could have his place nailed down just on his own performances. But, Non, whatever happens, it, it means you've got four very capable centre-backs. You're going to look good in that in that area of the pitch. You're looking good. Do you foresee any other any other incomings? And do you think you need any? Is there any areas where you could do with bolstering or even just flat-out replacing someone? Yeah, I don't think 
um, Trent had his most consistent season. Um, so, and I think it's had something to do with the lack of. He's got no one in. We haven't got a second choice right back, really. We put yeah, Milner. No competition. There. No competition. And I think his performance has slipped a little bit. Um, defensively, Trent does lack a bit at times. So I think he needs pushing to get the best out of him. So I definitely think we need a right back. Um, I think Genie Wijnaldum, we've lost him. That is a gigantic blow to this club. Um, even, you know, where to start with him, his leadership, his attitude, his work rate, his ability, his in-game intelligence, and not to mention his availability. He's always fit. Yeah, fantastic um, player. One of the few who was fit last season. So... Already, I think I heard the other day that um, Thiago has got a knock. Um, Henderson, he's got four weeks off before he's ready to come back and fit. So Fabinho, um, has he been anywhere with, with South America? I think with Brazil, I think he has. I think he might have gone to the Copper. He would have gone to the Copper America, wouldn't he? He doesn't really play for Brazil, though. Not the Olympics, go. definitely not. I don't no, think he went so, to the Olympics. But... but yeah, so... So who could be lining up? I mean, assuming he plays a 4-3-3, who's going to be the three in midfield? I think it's going to be, in the opening game, Thiago, Fabinho, and... Or actually, it, might, no, it won't be Fabinho. It could be Thiago, Milner, and Keita, which... Look, don't, don't, don't like, sort of, rule Milner out of, of being capable. He's the fittest player in this team. Keita was more the weak link, I was yeah, thinking, personally. Yeah, yeah. Not that he's a bad player. I think he could be a great player, but just, again, maybe it's a little bit... Right. He needs a bit more time, oh, definitely maybe. right. He's hot, he blows hot and cold, but unfortunately, he seems to blow hot when the pressure's off and it doesn't really matter. And he seems to be cold in the big games. So, um, And I'm not sure you can rely on him tactically, which is a big thing to cop. So you need at least another midfielder, basically, one. for nothing else, for depth, Absolutely. even if they're not going to yeah. start. So, Anywhere else? Um, How do you... Well, the right-back you mentioned. What about the front three? I mean... It's a, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Three. Well, but is there, is there any, any more backups could come in to, to challenge? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, Roberto Firmino has not been himself for nearly two years now, so I think he may... that's the thing. I don't watch every, I yeah, don't watch not... every game closely like you do. You know what I mean? So that's the thing when you talk to a fan of a certain club, you find because obviously on a Saturday I can't, I'm not going to watch yeah, ninety yeah. minutes of every single Premier League. You know, I'll watch match of the day. I'll watch two or three yeah. games over the weekend, but I don't watch it religiously every Liverpool game. So you're telling me Firmino has been going under the radar actually well. not even he hasn't being been that good? 30% of what we know him to be for at least 18 months. And I think he's lost his place in the first 11 to Diego Jota. Diogo Jota, sorry. Um, so I think... Next... I forgot about Jota. God, I forgot about yeah, him I think well. Jota's going to be in the first 11 next season. So then you're talking about uh, Bobby, we call him Roberto Firmino. Bobby will be Bobby will be on the bench, um, which isn't a bad player to be bringing on if you want it. Not too yeah, much. He changes the dynamic for me. You know, different way. He's a bit like the type of player I was saying at the beginning who I really like. You know that sort of. He's got to. He's seeing things that other players aren't, and he's silky, doing things that you don't expect. Um, but yeah, I think we could do with someone else up there. I think we're probably going to sell Arigi, and we'll be selling. Um, Shakiri as well, so we we and they're sort of forward players, aren't they? So we we definitely need, I would say, someone to come in and replace them. Uh, I I was reading the link we were. Um... I was going to say, who have you been linked with? Because I haven't really heard a lot about it. I've heard that Origi might go to Wolves, 
But I haven't heard a lot about who could be coming in. No, there's in. not much. There's uh, Renato Sanchez, but he's not really a forward, is he? Nah, he'll be playing in the midfield three if he comes yeah. in. Yeah. Could that be yeah. a good signing, though, to be fair? Yeah, I probably. Think, for a replacement, probably. Adam. Yeah, I think he's a bit like, you're not sure what you're going to get, though. Yeah, I he agree. struggled yeah. in the Premier League, and he? he wasn't very good at all, but he's kind of rebuilt his career now at Lille, and I think he could be a decent signing. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's been a lot of talk about him. Um, and then... You might know better than me. There's a guy, he's a Canadian lad, and his name's like two names, like Jonathan Edwards. Or <laughs> oh, two, yeah. Two, two very English names like that, and I think he plays... Is he in... one of the ones who plays in Germany? Because they all play yeah, in, plays Germany in Germany now, yeah. Um, but he's meant to be, like, I don't know much about him, but what I've been reading about him is that when you see him, he looks like a Liverpool player in that he's like a wide forward, he's really quick. You know, It's probably going to be one of these Canadians who's playing for Bayern or... Yeah, all, there's there's a load of him. them over there now. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name, but we've been linked with him, but I couldn't tell you too much about him. Ah, uh, Jonathan David. No, i got to say, yeah. no, I did not. He plays for Lille, actually, and i got to say, um, it looks like you're in for all the Lille players, I suppose. I didn't I didn't know. I don't know much about him, actually. No, not at all. They won the UEFA Cup, didn't they? Did they? Or they won... Well, they oh, won, they won French the League. French League, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly, over PSG. And I know Sanchez was... Um, was pretty like uh, integral in that, but I don't know a lot about um, this Jonathan David guy. I don't know if maybe he, he was a backup or if he was playing all the time. I don't know. No, I think he was an integral part of the of the forward line for them last season, and he does look like you see the highlights of him. He looks really quick and stuff like that. So there's been rumours that were linked to him, but apart from that, no, the Mbappe rumours aren't going away. Liverpool and Nike now, don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Or oh, if we talk yeah. about wages, that'd be another one of them Messi-esque <laughs> wages ones, wouldn't it? God, that'd be a crazy one. Unfortunately, Salah would have to go up. Yeah, and I don't know about... I don't even know if I'd make that switch personally. Maybe it sounds mental, but I'd rather have Salah over Mbappe personally. Better the devil you know, isn't it? Or, like... I actually prefer him as a player. But um, whoever comes in and whoever goes out, what can Liverpool fans expect from next season? What are you thinking in terms of style of play, if it's going to change a little bit maybe because a few players going out and a few players coming in. And more importantly, in terms of where you might finish and what you might win, what what are you expecting? Yeah, so I think Klopp always tweaks something. It might not be that noticeable to supporters of other clubs, but he tweaks something, whether we move the line further up, play with the formation, do something different with the fullbacks. And I think what we want this year is a bit more creativity and goals from the midfield. And... We didn't really see the best of Thiago because we never seen him with um, like a fixed set midfield three. He was someone different every week. Um, but when we did get Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago together, Thiago looked phenomenal towards the, in a couple of games towards the end of the se- end of the season. So that's what I'm thinking will be the big thing that you'll that you'll take from Liverpool this year. I think will be, you know, in terms of solidity. Fabinho and Henderson are solid. They're so reliable, so tactically astute. And don't forget, even Thiago is a number six for, for Bayern. So he's not exactly defensively laps either. But I think I think Fabinho is going to be sitting and I think Henderson and Thiago will have a bit more licence to create. And I think, you know, it'll be a very impressive open midfield. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, that aside, we get back to the team that we were. Why not? Why wouldn't we? Um, so... That's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I'm expecting. Challenging for the title, challenging for the Champions League, and just being up there. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, success would only be winning. 
you know, one of them trophies, if not both. And it's not going to be easy because, you know, City, uh, if they get Kane, as well as they've just signed uh, Grealish. Yeah, Grealish is officially over the line. I think he did his medical, so. Yeah, um, Chelsea have looked well better under um, the new manager. They Too cool, yeah. Too they're cool. unbelievable. And they're so hard to, to score against. They're so good defensively. And if they get Haaland, it's... Um, oh, God. I think that's probably an even bigger thing than if City get Kane. Yeah, if they get Haaland, because... yeah. Is that really on the cards, is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's you know it is with all these links and stuff, but it does. I don't know. I mean, it looks there's a lot of signs that it could work. I mean, especially if uh, Man City sign Kane, because that pretty much eliminates one of the only teams who are going to be able to buy him, aren't they? Especially with Barcelona and Madrid being in the situation they are, and PSG aren't really going to sign him unless they get rid of Mbappe. I think Chelsea are in pole position. Yeah, would be interesting. Yeah, it will be. That would make it a really difficult league to win, and then. Even United, you know, Jaden Sancho and oh, Varane. Yeah. And Varane. They're two good signings. If they they could are they in for Haaland? They're well up there now. I d I don't think they're in for Haaland because of well, it sounds daft, but with them signing Cavani, I think it at least for a year yeah. that Yeah. I don't know, it'd be a bit I mean, I, well, it wouldn't be the, it'd be fine, I suppose, they'd bring him in and play Cavani sort of as a backup fifteen, twenty games a year or something, but I, I can't imagine um I d no. I don't know. They've already spent a fair bit, haven't they? And but even, I don't know if that's going to happen. Even without the signings, they've done a good signing. So They're up there for sure. It's going to be a tough league to win. It's going to be an exciting league to be part of and watch though, isn't it? It's kind of, our, our league is it just it's head and shoulders, I think, the best league in the world. And when you look at some of the front threes now, with when you look at like Liverpool with Jota, Mane, Salah, and then United's now is going to be Cavani, Sancho and Rashford, I suppose. Man City are going to have any of the six <laughs> yeah. that they like playing up there. It's the just only cr- thing I'll say about City, though, if because they're talking about selling Sterling, aren't they? Maybe to like Spurs or someone. Yeah, that, I, I wouldn't do that if I were them. No, I wouldn't. But I think he is down the pecking order now. Um, but you know, if they lose Sterling and Aguero and replace them with Grealish and Kane, is that better? I don't know. I mean, it's one of the, they're losing the DNA of the club little by little as well. And I know that's a natural thing that you have to do. You always have to kind of replace. They've, they've had, you know, players move on silver. All these players, Fernandinho will be gone soon. And that's just how yeah. it naturally happens. But I think that's too big a change to make. And I think Sterling's a really underrated player. And I yeah. definitely don't think that Grealish is a it to like for like swap. I don't think Grealish is an improvement. I would prefer in that on the left. I would play Sterling over him for sure. Yeah, for effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, so I don't think they're particularly stronger with the signings they've made. Even if they get Kane with letting Aguero go, so it's one of them Aguero... on paper. It looks just oh my god, it's phenomenal and all the money. But then re- it don't always work out like that, does it? When you're actually oh, on the pitch. It so, oh, you say Chelsea could be the ones to fear more. Yeah, I always fear a team as well that's really good at the back, really solid. And I think um, Tuchel's Chelsea are outrageous at the back, aren't they? All premierships are won on that, on that basis, aren't they? That's why that's why Rodgers didn't get over the line. We conceded 50, 50 goals in 2014. We scored like 105 or something, conceded 50. Yep. Can't win a league like that. You did well. Actually, I think that's going to be one of the... Oh, no, did I include that one? No, I don't think I... <laughs> let me think. Oh, did I? Oh yeah, we've got a quiz. I'm going to do a little quiz. <laughs> I did actually. I think I, I included. Um, I included that. Um, anyway, before we get off, then, and before we get to our um, quick little quiz here that we want to do called "Do You Know Your Heroes," <laughs> I just wanted to ask you real quick, just to sum up. Then, how long's it been since you've been in the ground with the pandemic, and how excited are you to get back in there? Yeah, I think I was at the last game, uh, Atletico Madrid, 
um, that that shouldn't have gone ahead, really. Uh, oh, the one that caused all the. Yeah, the I was wave. living in Spain at the time when that all went yeah. crazy. And all the newspapers were saying that one of the big reasons was because the government let all the yeah. Madrid guys go over there and come back. Yeah, um, so it, it has been a while. Yeah, but I think I'll be there for the first game of the season. You know, I can't even remember who that is at the moment. I don't think Leeds, I can either. Could be Leeds. Can't, I can't think. Yeah, I'll be there, and it'll mean everything to be back. It's uh, Norwich away at Norwich. You got no. I, yeah, yeah. It is. You got a couple of friendlies coming up against Bilbao and Osasuna. You're doing a little Spanish tour, I suppose. Yeah. And then it's away at Norwich on on the Saturday. You're going to be on the TV, I suppose. Five thirty. Yeah. Those two Spanish games are in Anfield, by the way. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, they are. It's not. A, well, they're the Spaniards yeah. are coming they're over. They're coming over a tour here, yeah. on the Merseyside. Yeah. Um... So who's the first home game? So this is um, first away games at Norwich, and the first home game will be Burnley on the twenty first. So you'll be in there for that. I mean, how? What's it? It's going to be emotional, right? I suppose. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, we'll give them a good hiding, and uh, yeah, it will be. No, it really will be. Um, for those two home games, there we're going to be at seventy five percent capacity. So I don't know why it's not a hundred. Hopefully, there's no issues, and it'll be a hundred when we get back to uh, the Premier League. But, uh, yeah, just amazing. I think the cop will be in full voice. It'll be an amazing atmosphere for Burnley at home. Um, so it'll yeah. just be uh, incredible to be part be of. Even more than it was before, probably, because people have missed it so much. They're going to be they're going to be really going for it. Well, yeah. it's been it's been so, so good talking all these things through with you. But let's see if you know your heroes. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you um, 10 questions. And for each one of them, they're they're all sort of numbers related. Oh, but obviously, you can give you can give um, you can also give the players as well, or any variation of the two if you can. Okay. So, number of league cups won. That's Worthington, Coca Cola, Carling, Carabao included. This is a record, apparently. Do you know how many you've won? I feel like it's eight. Very good. Correct. Is that Pla- right? It is correct. Eight. <laughs> Player with the most league appearances? Ian Callahan. Correct. Do you know the number? I feel like it's 850-ish. It's a little bit off that. It's 640. The 850 okay. is closer to the total um, thing. Oh, but in league, league. There you go. In league, it's 640. Oh. So I'll give you that. But you got that. All you needed was the name. And that was very impressive. Player with the most continental appearances? So European appearances, I suppose. Well, because that includes the UEFA Cup as well. So yep, it doesn't exactly. Have to be, UEFA, it Europa, be Champions League. I mean, it, I don't want to give you a clue, but it could even be all the way back. But it's yeah, not. okay. <laughs> it's it's okay. one of those. It's, it's someone oh, okay. that we all know. Someone that we all know. I, I feel like it could be Gerard. But... Close. <laughs> it's the other one, Jamie Carragher. 150 okay. 150 European appearances oh, player yeah. with the most red cards for Liverpool this one surprised me red cards so you, you would want to say the obvious ones will be like uh, Graeme Souness Tom yeah Smith. exactly someone like that but no it's actually someone else quite a good player you've got a lot of reds. really good player you might say a really good player maybe the best ever <laughs> Kenny Zaglish <laughs> well maybe maybe I'm not, oh, not a Liverpool fan so Gerard, Steven Steve Gerard, seven yeah, red cards. You got a few, especially early on. Unbelievable, yeah. then it's seven yellow cards. Uh, player with the most goals in all competitions. Ian Rush. Correct. It's difficult, but do you know the number? 
Let me think. I couldn't expect. I couldn't name this for any team. So just so you know, you, you're not expected to know these mad stats. I think it's not. Far. It's around three hundred. Very good. Very close. Three hundred forty-six. Very okay. close. Yeah. yeah. Um, player with the most European goals. European goals. I think. Trying to think if it comes to mind because you're just thinking, why wouldn't it be Rush again? But um, yeah, surprisingly, not not a striker. Not a striker, Gerard. Gerard, forty-one from midfield, forty-one in, in Europe only. Europe, yeah, forty-one. Unbelievable. unbelievable, just one of the best players ever. Yeah, I think absolutely unbelievable. Um, but this one's a, an interesting one. Most international goals while playing for Liverpool. Mm. This is a, a random one. So. While playing for Liverpool, they did really well for their country. Okay, well, let me just think of what some of the obvious ones. So, Michael Owen was a big England... I'm going to say Michael Owen. That's one. <laughs> it's joint. There's him and someone that was previously mentioned. Okay. Kenny Daglish? No. No. Uh, Somebody previously mentioned who, who has another record of goals for Liverpool. Gerard. No, no. Rush. Rush. Oh, sorry. Rush, yeah. So, Ian of Rush course, scored yeah. 26 for Wales... And Michael Owen scored 26 for England while playing for Liverpool. Um, these next two, I think, are um, are probably going to be um, the easiest ones for you. Record transfer fee paid. Obviously, I'm thinking Van Dijk, but we also broke the record with Alisson, didn't we? Or was that just a record for a keeper? That's the thing. I actually thought that. I had in my head 90 million for Alisson, but that's not true at all. Actually, I looked into it and actually Alisson is the second. I think it must be the keeper record. So it was Van Dijk. Well, I don't suppose you remember the number? It cost us an extra 20, didn't it? Because Klopp met him in Blackpool or something like that. Uh, do you remember that? And we got to... Yep. We tapped him <laughs> up the year before. Um, I don't. What's this story? So it was like we were out there running. We got fined and everything. And we had to say, oh, sorry, Southampton. We'll give you an extra freaking 20 mil. Oh my god! What so we went and met him in? I think Blackpool. it was in Blackpool somewhere. Yeah, give him a just give him all the talk yeah, of that. And, we got some oh exactly. God. Yeah, we got some for it. But so I think it ended up being. But officially, it's going to be seventy, and it ended up around ninety. Did it? No, you were, oh, it was, you were close to seventy-five okay, apparently. Yeah. Um, record transfer fee received for which um, player? Must be Philippe Coutinho, and I think we got. It was weird in the end because it was all tiered, uh, but I think it was in the region of like 120 mil or something. Very good, exactly. 120 million euros, apparently. But yeah, Philippe Coutinho to Barcelona. When you were going through that phase of sort of they were buying the best player every yeah. year for silly money. And looking back, you think, I know at the time everyone was, oh my God, it's a it's a we disgrace. And looking back, you're like, ka <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable. Because I mean, his career has just dropped off a cliff since he left and the money you've reinvested it's it's been epic okay final one of these then um we kind of touched on this earlier top flight season with the highest number of goals scored i think it was that rogers season and i'm gonna say 102 oh so close 101 okay 2013 14 brendan rogers 101 goals scored unbelievable i don't know if it's the record ever maybe city scored a couple more did they that season when they went crazy i think it was actually Chelsea when they won the league under Mourinho because he's seen as a defensive manager but they definitely went over the 100 goals in that is a surprise whatever year that was yeah yeah that is a surprise like you said defensive coach I would have thought 70 goals maybe 20 conceded okay well thank you so much Phil it's been such a pleasure talking to you you've been such a good guest 
Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, is there anywhere that people can um, follow you on social media and, and the podcast? Where can people um, hear your stuff? Yeah, so you can find Across the Park on Twitter, at Across the Park PC, Instagram, at Across, um, at Across the Park PC, and Facebook, Across the Park. Um, you can find us on any podcast app you prefer to listen to, whatever one it is, we're on them all, Spotify. Whatever Apple, you're on now, just go ahead, search exactly. for Across the Park, and there it is. And the website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. And we've also got a page where we've interviewed legends of both Liverpool and Everton. Jamie Carragher's one that springs to mind recently that we've done. So loads of great interviews on there. And also some articles that we've written as well and things like that on the website. So check Thanks it out. Thanks again, Phil. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll let you go now. It's almost Pleasure. nine o'clock here, so it's time time to rest. Go. You can go and read about that uh, messy story now. There's probably been, probably been another mad yeah, story. Yeah. It's going crazy these last two days, isn't it? I don't know what we've missed in the Yeah, he's probably time. already signed for City, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. All right, All right Phil, then. thank you so much, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks so much for listening to the Sports Across Football Stories podcast. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. It really genuinely helps a small podcast like ours out. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend or a foe. Anyone who wants to hear football content, we really do appreciate that more than you could imagine. Also, head to sportsgoss.com for news, data, statistics, live streams, you name it, everything you need from the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at sportacoscom. You can follow myself at Craig Sportacos. And we'd also love to read out the thoughts and questions of our listeners. So please do feel free to tweet those to me anytime or send us an email to show at sportacoscom with your opinions or your questions. And we'll get to those on our next episode. Either myself or a guest will cover those. Thanks again so much to Phil for coming on to speak to us today. It's been a real pleasure speaking to him. Thank you so much for listening and see you on the next episode of the Sportacos Football Stories podcast. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.